Hi everyone, welcome to Let's Talk Trash, a Zero Waste Stockholm podcast. My name is Susanna Cook and in this series I'm going to be talking to environmentally engaged individuals about their experience of zero waste living. So, let's talk trash! Welcome to this first interview I'm doing for this podcast for Zero Waste Stockholm. My name is uh, Susie and I've been a volunteer for Zero Waste for just over a year now, uh, trying to develop this podcast and I am joined by my housemate Carolina, who I'm going to interview today about the ways that she tries to live more zero waste in her day-to-day life and what her opinions are and her reactions are to that. So Carolina, would you like to give a brief introduction to yourself and kind of your environmental journey as it were (laughs) sure thank you and thank you for having me on this podcast (laughs) Uh, well 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 my name is carolina carlson and i guess when it comes to my environmental journey i i haven't been like having an active engagement in anything for a long time it actually started with me two years ago happening to be in london at the same time as the the big rebellions of Extinction Rebellion uh, in April 2019. Um, but I, I started to study 2017. Um, yeah, Global Studies was the name of the program. And we were, you know, just learning a lot about different, uh, different sustainability problems, environmental issues, of course, being one of them and how it's linked to, yeah, so many other <laughs> aspects. And... Um, and now I, I guess I've been searching ever since for a way to to get more engaged, but I didn't really find my, I did yeah I didn't really felt so appealed by anything. You didn't find the niche. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then there in London when I saw these people just these ordinary people occupying the streets um, and the way their you know the rhetoric were, uh, the slogans and uh, that it was just ordinary people really saying no <laughs> or really saying that this is an emergency then yeah, I felt we need like a change yeah because sometimes you really feel like you are in like you, you feel like you're schizophrenic because it's like double realities you know about the crisis but you don't feel it in any way in society and we keep on talking about like the buzzwords of sustainable development and green mm. growth and all of this stuff that we know is completely kind of antithetical to exactly the actual reality that we live but Definitely, definitely. So, so yeah, that that's when I just something twitched in me, and I felt like this is what I would like to dedicate time to. And uh, then I found Extinction Rebellion in Sweden. And uh, yeah, since then I've been in different way involved with that. And I guess I I guess I've spent more time to that type of activities. And then with the engagement in XR, I've also grown. Like personally, I, I, I've, uh, you know, thought about my, my own choices because first I was very like, this is about structures. It's about structures. Yeah. Stop putting it on the individual. Top down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But of course, I mean, it's about, it's, it's both. It's structure uh, and the individual. So, mm. 
yeah, I guess I've uh, I've become a better <laughs> individual when it comes to behaving in a more environmental way. Well, that well. gives a very interesting segue to my first question, mm-hmm. which would be, obviously you're talking about a lot of the kind of direct action, uh, political sphere actions that people take to be more environmental, but in terms of your day-to-day life, mm why have you tried or have you tried to be more zero waste and say like your consumption habits or the way that you shop mm. um yeah i right now i'm trying not to shop <laughs> i guess um so much at all and really think that yeah j- just trying to have that mindset of n- not new things especially mm. when it comes to you know like clothes or things like that i'm not saying that it hasn't happened but yeah that's that's what i'm trying to Mm. to to and in stockholm the secondhand shops are so Mm. good (laughs) yeah and i mean i am 27 now and i also have a lot of stuff (laughs) already because i didn't start to to have this mindset uh, Mm. you know 10 years ago so i already have so much so it's not even hard not to buy more things um, but that's when it comes to those things. When it comes to, I don't know, like, I mean, you can, you, I could definitely improve more in when it comes to food, for example, and really, you know, put the energy into buying, uh, yeah, without, without the plastic, without the different, mm. uh, packages and stuff that I'm not too good in. Um, but I don't, uh, I mean, I, I walk or take the, the public transportation, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've, I've uh, joined the we, We'll Stay on the Ground campaign, <laughs> so have the ambition not to fly. Ah, okay. <laughs> and things like that, but you said day-to-day life. Yeah. Just trying to minimize my footprint. Well, I notice, <laughs> like, as this is the, the creepy roommate speaking here, like, you yeah. have a lot of, like, bamboo toothbrush and, mm. like, uh, <laughs> lots of tubs of things and uh, bars of things rather than bottles of things and so I guess it's just we all make the change that we feel we can and we're all trying to be better in some way I guess mm. would you De- agree with that definitely and I guess one aspect for me has been food mm. as I mean changing um, for four, four years ago I switched to a completely vegetarian diet and then maybe yeah, at least for the past six months or so, I've been trying to, to to be more vegan. Mm. And the way I've understood it, when it comes to at least, yeah, the way I've understood it, your eating habits. I mean, yeah, what you put on your plate and to stay on the ground is two of the most effective ways that mm. you can, you know, impact. Like personally, take. Yeah, personally, exactly, personally. Mm. Yeah. So, like. From that, if you're talking to people that say aren't in exile or aren't trying to be a more ethical and sustainable consumer or kind of change their diet and their behaviour, what do you think people most misunderstand when you're talking to them about trying to live more pro-environmentally or more zero waste in everyday life? What they misunderstand? I mean... I guess I don't, uh, I mean, sometimes I, I end up in discussions about, you know, what's morally or ethically mm. <laughs> correct and so, but I also, I guess I have a, a strategy not to too much try to pr- persuade anyone or like, I don't know, I just try to, to be, a, do do my thing, be an example, and if people are interested in 
in how that works <laughs> yeah you know more like that because i know sometimes if you uh, like emphasis like someone's behavior and you're like that that's wrong or you should do like this that can often maybe have the you know the reversed effect of my intentions yeah so but it's, it's tricky because at the same time you also want to mark that you know i think it's important to to think about this so it's really a balance uh, when it comes to talking to other people mm. about choices yeah it, i think it's it's difficult because i think as we were talking before we started recording is that a lot of this stuff is very personal and very individual mm. so even if like something as simple as asking somebody like why don't they compost or why why do they buy new clothes or something like that you don't know what's going on in their life you don't know how have is buying that clothes the way that they get their happiness and it's kind of just it can go really deep into someone's self-worth or the things that they choose and i think sometimes talking to people about being more zero waste can feel like you're attacking them maybe and saying mm. oh yeah, I've yeah, noticed that you have a lot of ASOS packages. Like, <laughs> I think it's just both the listening and the talking can be quite important. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think maybe I've been quite influenced also by the mentality of XR because mm. the ambition there is, you know, no shaming, no blaming. Yeah. Um, and we want people to to feel welcome and to, to be become like active in, in climate or environmental activism without being a perfect individual. Yeah. So um, I guess that's also influenced uh, so, yeah, how, I, how I speak yeah. to people. And also that my, 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 my way into the environmental movement was more of the structural way. So, mm. so um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so from a, from a structural point of view then, if for you what would be the number one thing that like the swedish government the european government could do to encourage less waste as a whole less waste as in whether that's less co2 wastage mm. less food waste less packaging waste oh you know i am here dreaming about things like carbon budgets <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all um Oh no, but it's hard. But mm. I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely think we come to a point where we need to speak about both carbon budgets and, and uh, I mean, it's, it's super. Maybe not. I mean, it would be really super hard to implement if you're really gonna keep track of people's mm. carbon budgets. But I think it's crazy that we're not even talking. I mean, they're not even you know recommending people what to like a guideline to to stay at we have mm. never heard our prime minister Stefan Löfven say that yeah the ambition for a person would be to you know stay at like I don't know three tons of <laughs> CO2 per year or something like you don't even hear what we should aim at they're not yeah. even speaking about it like that because I guess all of the structural uh like initiatives that we do have that are aimed at maybe less carbon budgeting but more kind of carbon trading schemes like the ETS I think it's called and other things like that you read about the like systemic corruption and the way that like the the western nations and, and more like the richer nations are able to kind of outsource that mm. it's clearly it's clear that that's not working but I think it's interesting that you bring up that that kind of broad scale 
more forward thinking policy could actually be adapted to individual people's lives because I think people do like having a roadmap and they like having yeah. a goal so if you said okay well you're to keep in this level of warming into this level of emissions you need to limit your emissions to x amount of tons mm. you do this by xyz I think then again kind of looking back at what we were talking before is it's it's less attacking people and it's more saying look we need your cooperation here and here is an easy way for you to do it yeah and i mean we're super social beings Mm. so we follow what we see and if we don't even see our leaders like telling us uh, (laughs) to take this to to change our lives or or take this seriously to that extent and you don't see your neighbors you don't see your friends like Mm. why should you and uh, I mean, this Corona crisis, of course, is a perfect example of how how much and how quick things can change, mm. as we've been speaking about yeah. for a year now. Um, so they could do so much more. And I mean, carbon is one thing, and then and then uh, when it comes to you know how much you, I mean your ecological footprint, for example. Of course, they could finger point there too. I mean, the so we also talk about what's the term in uh, in english but but lifts room i think in swedish like how much uh, yeah just how much every person has to to move with because mm. we are living on an infinite uh, no a finite yes. what do you say yeah, finite yeah, planet, planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not an infinite <laughs> i wish uh, but i guess and also the other thing the a very few politicians are even speaking about less consumptions because mm. then well, it's not a sexy topic is it it's not and uh, <laughs> definitely not because that would mean that business would you know mm. uh, go down and the the growth go- would go down so we, we are yeah the politicians are also stuck in this in this wheel yeah that they can't really stop well it was, it was interesting so i was reading something for my thesis early today which is about what motivates swedish youth climate activists mm. um and it was talking about how there's kind of three avenues that uh, activists are taking like ecological radicalism, green growth, and that discourse, or just like fatalistic pessimism. So I think it's exactly <laughs> what you're saying. It's like what what door do you open? The door to saying, oh yes, technology is going to save us and everything's going to be brilliant, or we need system change, or I need a chocolate biscuit and it's good to bed. Like it's <laughs> that kind of interesting. Like oh god, what do we choose? So mm. kind of. Leading on from that, so you're saying a lot that you're frustrated with, especially the Swedish government, not talking about like consumption or less consumption as something that we need to change. If you were prime minister for the day, what would be the like? What would you do tomorrow mm. to improve, say, Swedish society? It can be cultural, social, economic. <laughs> okay. You- just because I've been having this so much on my mind, I've been having forestry a lot on my mm. mind. That's not the Swedish public, but let me just say <laughs> that. Go anyhow, for it. You anyhow. have this platform. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, but so if I were the prime minister, I would tell, for example, our our Swedish-owned uh, forestry company, Svea Skog, that they should just stop. They should stop to even cut down anything at this point because... The forest is linked both to, uh, you know, carbon emissions. It's linked to biodiversity. Mm. It's linked to the rights of the indigenous people. 
so <clears throat> and and we have a lot of forest <laughs> yeah. so so i think that's uh, especially in sweden that's something we could really contribute with to to be an example and stop cutting down forest mm. because it's causing emissions like crazy and uh, we're in a really bad state when it comes to biodiversity as well and we're <laughs> we are um, you know not handling our indigenous people in a good way mm -hmm. so that would be that i think that's a very important area when it comes to sweden but uh, as a prime minister hmm yeah maybe uh, i'm very also much into the rights of nature yes <laughs> so uh, i think uh, one important thing is to recognize that the ecosystem should have rights mm -hmm. um and to, and to change our very anthropocentric yeah. uh, mindset into a more ecocentric mindset and and um, and I mean I don't have the answers to what our economic system should look like I I mean it's such a it's such a it's a whole science and knowledge about mm. what that would be but really we need to well, I think we know it's not what we've got at the moment. Exactly. I mean, we really just need to admit that uh, infinite growth is not possible. So what's no. the alternative? And uh, I mean, now, for example, economic uh, educations don't even... My, my, what I've understood, economic educations don't even like put so much effort into dis developing new models. They're all busy mm. learning the current system. The current or the systems that they perceive that have failed, like, I guess, Marxism and communism mm. and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, since the economy is the foundation for this crisis in a lot of ways, mm. why aren't we spending more time researching what an alternative could look like? That's an interesting point. Because we're just fostering this new, this new people to to do the exact same thing, and it was like, who's gonna who's gonna do this research if not the economists? Yeah, <laughs> they are in the best position there. They are. Yes. So, but you've mentioned like Corona and how that's made things more difficult. I guess from a political motivation point of view because people are more health centric more like concerned about their family and their friends also it's harder to meet up and to protest uh but also i guess in like taking this back to like a more traditional waste uh focus mm. i've definitely seen anecdotally like say the fruit at presbyron is now wrapped in single-use plastics mm. Do you think that we can use this experience of Corona to become more zero waste? Or do you think that people are going to just get used to things like plastic coverings on fruit, like plastic over makeup counters, plastic on buffets? like Plastic on our mouths, plastic on our hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Beekeeper suits. For... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hmm. So I feel like uh, when it comes to um, to the plastic debate, I feel like I have a lot to learn, <laughs> mm. actually. Uh, so the impact of Corona, I mean, yeah, definitely what we see now in immediately is a, a rise in uh, single-use mm. items. Um, and hmm, if it's gonna, what can it contribute with? 
I don't know if I can say that Corona in itself would contribute contribute to I mean the other direction. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that? I guess my thoughts when it comes to like um, the impact of the COVID nineteen pandemic is hopefully I think it will have brought to more people's attention that what happens in one side of the world affects the other side of the world and that say like rising sea levels in the Maldives will impact us because I mean there's going to become in the next 50 years our next wave of refugees is already happening our climate refugees and so I guess my hope is that because people have finally seen just quite how interconnected we are and how the destruction of biodiversity and like air travel and things like that are all things that have made the pandemic worse mm. and so you you i think that's my hope but then also i think people are scared so even if say like you you don't know what those like scientific impact of like covering things with single-use plastic is actually on like I, I don't really see how that reduces because if you think rationally, if you're going to a convenience store to get a piece of fruit, whether it's wrapped up, whether it's not wrapped up, you're still going to unwrap it and eat it there. <laughs> so it's just a bit like, I don't know, it's just, that's, I, I hope it inspires more of an awareness of reality I know that sounds kind of uh, a bit up myself but it's kind of just like we are in a crisis this is a very obvious expression of a crisis but in reality that's what we live day to day corona or no corona mm. yeah I mean I, I think I've thought more about the effects of corona or how people would change maybe for example in uh, when it comes to the way we deal with animals <laughs> to, mm. to the, I mean, the connection, uh, the, both the connection of uh, agriculture, or, I mean, yeah, farming in, in different ways. Um, and, and now we have the mink farms, you know, yeah. closing down and, and just that the way we treat and deal with animals is connected to this crisis and the way we um, take away their habitat. When we, go from wild and living forests, for example, which yeah. are homes to animals, and we cut them for different reasons, um, and we take away the space for these animals to live, they come closer, and we receive zoonotic diseases. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that connection will be clearer uh, to people, and definitely how everything is so interconnected, especially mm -hmm. now in our globalized yeah. world. So uh, yeah, that's that's more on topics that I've reflected on uh, connected to Corona. Yeah. Mm. No, it's it's, it's 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 an interesting thing to talk about, and I think it probably will become more appropriate to talk about once more people are vaccinated, once we can remove that kind of immediate mm, threat threat yeah. to life. I think it will be. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, Corona titled masters and bachelor's thesis yeah. in the next uh, couple of years i mean even me for my master's thesis i am it, like now integrating a question about covid19 within my survey mm -hmm. because i am gonna ask people has the covid19 pandemic made you more 
involved or less involved like because i'm really in the in the organization because i can see why on the one hand maybe people have got more scared so they want to involve involve themselves they've got Mm. more time because they're working from home or is it that it's the social aspect that people really resonate with and once that's not there because I mean, I I have experience of this for the like zero waste stand also uh, Symbios, the Stockholm University Environment Organization. Mm. It's really hard to be a volunteer over Zoom. Mm. Yeah. Like, you you just don't get that connection with people, which I find tough. Definitely, um, I felt that when Corona struck, <laughs> I was uh, I like put myself away from activism for a while or engagement. And, and I think a lot of people was just very confused on how, how to deal with things, mm-hmm. so especially in XR, where the thing is to meet up and be a yeah. lot of people at the same place. So, but now a year later, finding, yeah, we, we, we found our ways better. And, but yeah, I guess it's been different for everyone if this has meant wanting to commit to more engagement or, or needing more engagement, because that's maybe also need the social aspects of it or if you just become more disconnected because you maybe you don't know how to yeah. how to do it it's an interesting interesting time to be alive <laughs> so obviously you're part of uh, XR but are there any other initiatives or organizations that you want to promote or you wish more people were aware of yeah so i have to mention end ecocide sweden yes which is an organization here in Sweden that is uh, in a very great way promoting um, ecocide law mm-hmm. to become reality. And uh, briefly, ecocide is uh, the idea that uh, large-scale environmental destruction would be illegal in the Rome Statute. And they're pushing for it and the ambition is to get this topic uh, to be more discussed and uh, for Sweden also to be a front runner in mm. it, and next year 2022, it's uh you know it's the Stockholm Plus 50 conference, mm-hmm. uh, 50 years after yeah the first environmental conference in mm-hmm. the UN that Olof Palme initiated. Uh, so that's one thing I think um, an ecocide an international yeah. ecocide law in the Rome Statute would really be a a, a deal breaker and a, a very good. <laughs> so just to ask more of a question about that, mm. what sort of things would be defined as ecocide? So it would be more like Bolsonaro destroying the Amazon, that kind of thing. And then if mm. that is what ecocide would mean, how would that be policed on the international? Mm. Would it oh, be sanctions? Or? It's a really good uh, question when it comes to the definition part, because um, I guess you can't really exactly say until the law would be there, <laughs> yeah. but the actually as we speak, uh, there's been a panel of different uh, attorneys and, and legal advisors, etc. They put in a panel to to draw a suggestion on mm-hmm. the definition of ecocide. I guess if you think about it, if we're talking more about having nature, having rights and thinking more ecocentrically versus anthropocentrically if we have the un convention on human rights why can't we have a mm. ecocide or an like laws of nature convention yes uh the universal declaration of the rights of mother earth yeah, is please. a thing <laughs> educate me <Karina. laughs> 
No, but uh, I agree. I really think, uh, I mean, we humans, to be able to implement human rights, we are totally depending on non-human nature. Mm. So if we're not doing a good way in protecting that, if we're not recognize, recognizing that also, uh, yeah, ecosystems have right to exist and flourish and not being put out of ecocides, <laughs> etc., or or pollution. And yeah, I, th- I think it's crucial for our mindset to switch because we have uh, for, you know, decades and centuries believed that we are the most important species. We are different. We are above we are separated and superior and i think that uh, if that doesn't change it's going to be the death of us mm. because at the end of the day the earth will survive it might be damaged but the people that will suffer the most are the people <laughs> mm. if you think about it yeah in the most kind of like broad scale disaster movie <laughs> Exactly, and I mean, different species are already, we already, I I think it's about 200 species that go extinct Mm. every day right now and at the current rate. So, I mean, for many species, it's already too late. We've made them extinct. Um, But as you say, I mean, humans are also on the line in in the big perspective. I mean, Um, Corona has shown that more than anything. mm. When it comes to the rights of nature... I think the most important, except except from the laws being made, yeah. it's the it's the cultural mindset mindset uh, that it would uh, it would help with. And I mean, sometimes the mindset comes, and then comes the law, and sometimes the law comes, and then the mindset. Yeah. It's always a, a cyclical process. Yeah, a yeah. symbiosis there, <laughs> yes. or like a interconnectedness. But I think it's a, a mind shift that we need. Mm-hmm. Well, very interesting. And thank you, Carolina, for taking the time to talk to me this evening. This has been a very interesting chat. Thank you. And I hope we will have more in the uh, non-recorded sphere. (laughs) So thank you. Definitely we will. (laughs) Bye. Thank you very much for listening to Let's Talk Trash with me, Susanna Cook. More details about Zero Waste Stockholm and the interviewees can be found in the show notes. Please follow us on Instagram at zerowaste.stockholm and like us on Facebook. If you want to join us in making trash a thing of the past, please visit our website at zerowastestockholm.org and click Get Involved.